This episode is dedicated to the memory of acclaimed Star Trek author Dave Gallanter, who passed away this weekend at the age of 51 from late-stage cholangiocarcinoma. Dave was the author of the Star Trek Discovery novel Dead Endless, as well as several other Star Trek titles. His story spoke to the very heart of Star Trek, just as his fandom did, and his losses felt deeply by Star Trek fans around the globe. We extend our deepest sympathies and condolences to Dave's wife, Samantha, and their family. He will be greatly missed by us all. May his memory live long and prosper. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive triple that you can control with your very own smartphone. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Judge Advocate General's Corps at Podfleet Command and the Adjudication Office, where we sit in judgment upon every season of Star Trek ever made. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co host, Bill Smith, and this is episode number 242. <laughs> 242. It's like a palindrome. That's cool. <laughs> Hey, lighten up, buddy. <laughs> lighten up. And of course, I've already uh, invoked uh, his his presence here because he decided to be snarky during my intro. Um, so, yeah, you introduce yourself, jerk. Hi, I'm Dan. Good to be here. Yeah, Dan Davidson, whatever. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Great introduction, as always. That might be the best one you've ever had, to be honest, because... That's you, certainly the one I cared about the most. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help but laugh because your palindrome thing was funny. Um, what what office are we in? We're in the JAG office of the what? The adjudication thing? What is it's that? The, it's the Judge Advocate General's yeah. office yeah. in the adjudication division. Oh, you seem to trip up on the word adjudication I do. every I, I, I time. I thought that was the muscle in my back that I pulled this morning, but I, I digress. I guess it wasn't. It was something else. Think, what is use, wrong with you? You use words that are so intelligent, and you're talking to me. What do you expect? 
I, yeah, but I'm not talking for you. I'm talking for the brilliant oh. and wonderful people who listen to this podcast, despite the fact that you run your mouth. <laughs> They're all brilliant. They're all awesome. We love them all. And they've been hanging with us for 242 episodes, which is a palindrome when you think about it. See what I did? Um, so yeah, thanks for, thanks for, <laughs> I saw an eagle. Thanks for that wonderful, um, kind of introduction but uh it's always fun to be here man we always have a good time uh when we get together to talk star trek whether it's discovering trek or whether it's trek geeks like we're doing right here and i am looking forward to this episode i gotta say well you know it's we've come to the end of the run for star trek voyager you know our voyager 25 celebration will continue into next year because the celebration is going to continue to next year right. you know and conventions and all that but we're in the last see it or skip it of the series, and uh, it, I feel like we just barely got started. It really is amazing. We actually did season one of Voyager a long time ago, before we long decided time. we were going to do the things as the celebration years were going on. And it's really hard to believe that we've gotten through five other ones already, and we're here to do the last see it or skip it for Voyager season seven on this very episode. And... Uh, it's a little bittersweet. It's awesome talking about all these episodes of Voyager because you and I have grown to love this series so, so much. Thank you, H and I. Um, but uh, it, it's just it's 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 going to be a great discussion, and I'm very excited for it. And joining us is a a dear friend of mine for for about forty years or so, who's going to referee the madness. It is madness. When it's the two of us, it's definitely madness. I've had the pleasure of being a friend with this person for a few years now. Uh, great, great person. Jess Vashon is going to be joining us. She is just a wonderful person. She's She puts up with you for 40 years, and she's got to be doing something right or something wrong, depending on how you want to look at it. But uh, I think it's yeah, going to be a true. lot of fun. Yeah, that's true. Since the sixth grade, I'm going to point out. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, yeah. Jess, because I yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how... I don't know how she did it either, but uh, but here we are. And um, Dan, being here also means at this juncture, you're going to tell people how they can get in touch with us to give us feedback, comments, questions, or even their see it or skip it picks. Yeah, absolutely. If you didn't get the chance to uh, fill out the um, the poll on Camp Kittimer for Season 7, see it or skip it, you can still get in touch with us and let us know what you thought. Lots of ways to do it. Just head on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact and you can email us. You can voicemail with us. Send us a voicemail, I should say, because if you're sending a voicemail, it's not with us. So I'm just going to continue <laughs> on. You can chat with us, which is always a good thing, and you can even tweet at us. Um, as I said, Camp Kittimer is also available. It's the official Facebook group of the Trek Geeks podcast network on facebook it is the most positive trek group on facebook as well we don't allow any trolling we don't allow any gatekeeping we only want people there celebrating what they love about trek we got a whole bunch of people i think we have over 1800 people there now bill who remembers the camp kittimer which is pretty awesome um just search for camp kittimer on facebook and you'll find us we'll let you right in uh we also want to thank our wonderful admins Haley, jackie and fark for the amazing job they do running the camp but as always you know Legalese. Please remember that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Well, I notice how you get quieter and quieter as that happens. Is there a way you can do that through the rest of the show? I'm sure I can do it if you want me to. I don't really want to do it. My Bill Belichick impersonation or the American Express guy, depending. Take your pick.
Dan, everyone knows, and I do mean everyone, how much we love fansets and how much we've cherished that special relationship that we've had with them for, for so many years now. But right now, we want to let everyone know that Fansets wishes all of our listeners a very happy and safe holiday season, and they truly appreciate your support and your business. This past year has been a real struggle for people and for small business, and seeing the support that they've received from so many customers is truly something that they appreciate and don't take for granted one second. No, you're absolutely right, Bill. And, and we want to thank them and wish them a happy and safe uh, holiday as well. Um, they worked so hard to bring the very best Star Trek swag out there. And, and they've worked extra hard to bring some great new pins to you just in time for the holidays, which is always a good thing, buddy. Um, as we mentioned last week, they released five new pins on December 1st, a brand new seven of nine pin in her brown uniform, a brand new TNG bearded Commander Riker, the USS Cerritos ship pin, uh, a happy badgie from Lower Decks and a mad, angry, psychopathic Bill Smith-looking badgie from Lower Decks as well. And they also had the 2020 holiday pin, which featured everyone's favorite holodeck learning program badgie uh, with his Santa hat. But I got to tell you, unfortunately, that one sold out, Bill, in record time. Fastest sellout that Fansets has ever had. That's pretty amazing. Um, this week on December 15th, you can welcome the USS Cerritos bar logo pin, as well as what is being called the Star Trek Picard Season 1 pin. And that just might mean that episodic pins for that show are right around the corner as well, allegedly. You can't prove that. I cannot. At least not yet. Not yet. Uh, that is incredibly awesome news, Dan. You know, whether it's Star Trek or Harry Potter or, or Batman 66 or even something like Scooby-Doo, you can be sure that the quality of product and customer service will always be exactly what you would expect from Fansets. And that's just the best in the business. So everybody head on over to Fansets.com, put a bunch of stuff in your cart, whether it's pins, accessories, or gift certificates, and, and just put it all in there. Just do it. And then at checkout, be sure to enter this week's special Trek Geeks discount code word HOME. That's H-O-M-E in all capital letters for an amazing 15% off your entire order. Now, this offer is going to be good until December 23rd, 2020 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And plus, don't forget, when you spend more than 30 bucks at Fansets, you're going to automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. <laughs> Well, Dan, here we are. The final season of Star Trek Voyager is part of our, I'm going to call it our continuing mm -hmm. Voyager 25 celebration, because we're not done with Voyager by any means. No. And um, there's no way we can close out 2020 without taking a look at season seven in probably one of the most requested episodes that we ever do. Oh, my God. These have become so much fun, not just for the listeners, but for us and for whatever person is foolish enough to come on and referee. That's true. Uh, see it or skip it. So here we are. It is Voyager. It is season seven. We have talked all year long about how you and I have such a new founded love and respect for Star Trek Voyager. And here we are wrapping up. See it or skip it. I like to call it COC for some reason. It's just me. That's just me. Um, so COC, uh, voice, COC voice seven, let's call it. Okay. Just to, to make it short. Um, and, and doing so, we have to bring on one of our best friends and one of our most, one of the most wonderful fans out there. 
I am so excited that Jess Vashon is going to be joining us to be the referee for us two knuckleheads for Voyager 7. Jess, it's so great to have you here. Thank you for having me, although I've never been able to referee you two, so we'll just wing it. That's actually true. You have tried. Tried. Uh, it's, it's not for lack of trying. Uh, Dan, I don't know that you should go creating your own language because your native tongue is difficult enough for you. COC voice seven. Yeah. Hey, see, I said it right. I didn't yeah. screw it up because I probably didn't put it in copy because then I would screw it up. <laughs> you actually would. Uh, Jess, you have started and have released your own podcast called Simple Suchness. And would you tell everybody a little bit about it? Sure. So I'm an ordained Buddhist minister. Um, and one of the callings for a Buddhist minister is to um, try and bring some of what we know, some of what we learned about Buddhism to others. Uh, it's not necessarily preaching. It's more just sharing the stories of what we've learned and how we live our lives by that. Um, so I decided the best way for me to do that, especially during COVID, when we can't go out and um, I can't go to a, a sangha, a group of other people, um, is to just share what I know and talk about it in a really simple manner. Um, so it's it's not even Buddhism 101. It's it's pre-Buddhism 101. It's the easiest way you can get it. Um, I'll revisit topics from time to time, but I, I want people to be able to take what they can and use it how they can in their daily lives, and uh, hopefully it makes things a little bit better for them. I, I agree. I've heard, I've heard the first episode. I, I find it's about, at least for me, about being a better human. And I think that a whole lot of people could could learn a great deal from that. So I hope everybody checks it out. It's it's available pretty much everywhere podcasts can be purveyed and downloaded. Um, and I, we wish you nothing but great success with it. We, we will keep checking in for sure. Thank you. Episode three is coming. Woohoo! Nice. And after dealing with us, or after me dealing with Bill for two hundred and forty two episodes, I might need that podcast to help center myself a little bit. Go. So thank you. That's Everybody's probably true. <laughs> yeah. So let's level set for everybody listening. Dan and I are going to go through all 26 episodes of Star Trek Voyager Season 7. We're going to give it a, a rating of see it or skip it and why. And then Jess is also going to follow suit and do the same. We're also going to have some some uh, the percentage votes from Camp Kittimer along with a few select comments because there were a lot of votes this time. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how we do it. Now, this is all shorthand for... Uh, re-watching episodes. Ultimately, if it's on TV, we're going to watch it. Truth be told, I almost never skip an episode. And even though we give an episode a skip it, it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to. It's just kind of our way to pass judgment on the episode and how much we like it. Or in some cases, Dan, don't. Yeah, absolutely. It happens from time to time. Um, there's, uh, I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but I'm I'm willing to bet there's going to be a meh in there from you somewhere, and I'm willing to bet there's going to be a I have no idea what this episode is from me, because it's kind of been the norm for us for all the seasons that we've done in Star Trek over the last few years. I had more than a few mess in the last episode. I can guarantee <laughs> that I need more than one hand to count them in this episode. <laughs> Great! <laughs> but I don't want to put too much of a spoiler on it because hey the fun is in listening right absolutely now just you have drawn the short straw which means you're going to have to referee um this mess and it's it's not an easy job because dan and i are, are well we're dan and i so um we leave you with the task we're sure that you can do it because already you sound far more intelligent than the two of us do i think i'm gonna have as much power in this as harry does on voyager yeah, that's about it. Although you might get promoted. I was so, say, no. 
So with that, yeah, technically. So with that, it's up to you, and uh, you can start wherever you like. Well, all right. Um, I think the first one we're starting with is Unimatrix Zero, correct? Mm. Part yes. two. Yeah. Um, which I guess kind of assumes you've seen part one, but you don't have to. Um, I guess, Dan, if you want to give a little background, then your thoughts on it. Actually, I'm going to give you the honor of reading the plot description for oh, every one okay. of the episodes, and Heart then we'll go ahead and give it our, our seat. Because we like hearing your mellifluous tones <laughs> far more than people like to listen to ours. Sure. That's so. actually true. Yeah. <laughs> Unimatrix Zero, the plot description, um, is a group of drones who have developed individuality. Uh, but it is a little bit more than just individuality. It's apparently been an ongoing thing in the Borg Collective, where some of the Borg have a flaw, as perceived by the Queen of the Borg, that allows them to dream uh, and to actually share time together. So instead of being part of the Collective, they have a moment in time when they are individuals and remember their past lives. However, when they leave it, they cannot remember anything that has happened in Unimatrix Zero. So. Well, it's the first episode of the season. It's after a cliffhanger when we see uh, members of the crew assimilated. I'm going to give this one a see it. it. It is by no means the greatest conclusion to a two-parter in Star Trek. As a matter of fact, it, it kind of might be one of the more weaker of uh, of a two-parters, especially of cliffhangers going into different seasons. Um, it's always cool to see crew assimilated, um, but the fact that they're only partially assimilated is kind of ridiculous in itself. So it's not the best, but it, it is the Borg. It is season seven. It is episode one, Bill. It is. And for me, the streak continues. Um, I'm going to say see it with this one. I, I, I think there's maybe one two-parter. I said don't bother with the second half, and I can't remember which show it was. But it was probably Next Gen. Um, but yeah, you got to see this one. I, I think that this is actually the weakest of Voyager season premieres. And I don't necessarily like the aspect of partial assimilation, but I think it is important to see the second half of the story. In fact, I was so upset at partial assimilation when this aired live that I turned off my TV. And I went back and watched the episode about 10 days later on VHS and finished it and uh, was just as apoplectic. So <laughs> um, it's a see it provisionally, Jess. All right. What uh, do you I, give it, buddy? I'm not too far off from the ah. two of you. Uh, I was confused about so many things in this. The dreaming threw me off, first of all. Um, you know, I think it was an interesting plot twist, so to speak. Uh, certainly the uh, partial Borging threw me off. I mm -hmm. almost fast-forwarded through the rest of the episode because I just, you know, it was hard to, to take that all in. Um, that being said, like Dan said, the Borg. How can you not like an episode with the Borg? You, you, I just love an episode with the Borg. Um, so I'm going to say it's a see it. Just barely a see it. Um, definitely, if you haven't seen the first part, it's not going to make any sense and you can skip it, but um, worth seeing both parts. Well, Camp Kenimer tends to agree with us. 87.3% uh, of those people voting in the Season 7 poll said they would, in fact, see this episode. Um, one person thought it was essentially the Borg meets the Matrix 
but gave it a meh and a see it at the same time. So uh, I can see that on some level. If I think of the episode in those terms, it becomes slightly more palatable to me. But ultimately, for me, it's still a see it. So... So there we go. So you have the first episode under your belt, Jess. You know, it's all downhill from here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah by the time we get to Endgame, yeah, it's definitely going to be downhill. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we'll move on to Imperfection. The plot description for this, when her cortical implant malfunctions, Seven of Nine needs a life-saving transplant. For this one, we will start with Bill. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm actually going to give this one a skip it. Ooh, that was quick. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a second episode in. I don't think I've had a skip it this early. Um, and that's largely because I still can't stand Ichab. I really can't. I want to airlock all those Borg kids. Um, I, computer, delete the Borg kids. No, it still doesn't wow. work. Um <laughs> Yeah, there are some things here that have some implications uh, later on, but ultimately, eh, I just, I I really don't care enough about this story. So for me, Dan, it's a skip it. I can, I can understand that. I gave this one a see it, but it's a barely a see it for me. Now I'm not a huge fan of, of, of each either. Um, but this episode really shows how people sacrifice for those they care about. And I kind of like that aspect of it. And without knowing it at the time when season seven first aired, this episode has huge implications for Icheb um, in Star Trek Picard for the 30 seconds that maybe he's on. Well, I'll no keep an eye out alert. for it. <laughs> I'll keep an eye out for it. Yeah, <laughs> You're awful. Oh, thank you. Thank oh, you. Oh, my God. That was awful. Anyway, so, yeah, see it. Jess, please take over. Uh, so, Icheb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the best thing that ever happened to each other was in Picard. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I guess the eyes I, have it. I, and, and I'm, I'm <laughs> I kind of just don't. I'm going to surprise you on this, though. I, I kind of just don't. The Borg kids is, yeah. I had to have kids. I get that. But it um, doesn't do anything for me. However, I found that this was a lot of discussion around um, facing how you've lived your life, facing possible death and what that means to you. Um, and actually, going back to Ichab, sacrifice. Ichab was willing to possibly sacrifice his life um, so that Seven could continue to go on. Um, so an act of love, it, it was included in that as well. So for this one, um, I said see it. Okay. I think that's uh, I think that's as good a reason as any. Uh, Camp Kittimer also said see it to the tune of 79.37%. Um, some decent comments here. One person says, see it, I would die for Icheb. That seems a bit strong. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> see it, good riddance, bored kids. Whoa. <laughs> I, I, I can empathize with that. I really can. Uh, see it, as a registered nurse, I feel there were some excellent points about patients' rights, which sold this one for me. Nice. That's an interesting perspective. Um, so, yes, uh, Camp Kittimer, I, I realize I'm in the minority on this one. I freely accept and admit that. Um, I Maybe I'll watch it again and like it more, but I'm not counting on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you have it. All right. Well, let's move on to Drive. In this episode, Belana Torres and events conspire to encourage Tom to propose to her. And we'll start with Dan. Well, I'm going to give this one a see it. Um, it's not the greatest 
episode of the season at all, but it's a good breakaway from the tense and emotional episodes that preceded it from Unimatrix Zero Part 2 and Imperfection. Uh, it's got some cool things. Shuttle drag races, check. Harry failing to get the girl, again, check. Cheesy <laughs> campiness at Just Married being painted on the back of the Delta Flyer after Tom and Bellana tie the knot, check. So it's fun. I'll give it it. I'll give it a see it. Bill? Um, yeah, here we go. <laughs> so w- at least once in a season, these words are uttered. And I just, I didn't want to make our audience wait too long. And so to reward our faithful listeners, I provide this rating. Skip it. Meh. There it is. That's really all I can say about this one. I mean, I, yeah, I, eh, I, I watch it. I just, I, I just, I don't, I don't really care enough about it to, to, to really think that it's great one way or the other. Yeah, Dan, you're right. There's some cheesy campiness there. Um, there's some other things. Race episodes rarely work on television. Um, I, I'm thinking of Knight Rider in particular. There's a <laughs> really horrible race episode. But I, this Voyager episode, you know, Drive just doesn't work for me. So for and, me, yeah, go ahead. And forgive me if, for not, if I don't remember this correctly. And this is one of the things that if I'm right, it, it's, 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 it's frustrating. We don't even see them get married on screen. Correct? Correct. We just see them in the yeah. shuttle. And that's like, really? These two characters that have been in a mm-hmm. relationship and they're getting married? You don't even see them getting married? It's like Sarah dying off screen. It's like, come on. That would have been the payoff for this episode because it could have been a really emotional moment. Mm-hmm. These two crews that were thrust together due to Janeway's decision. And now here we are. I mean, seven years, six, seven years later. And they are starting a life together. I think that could have been really compelling. Yeah. Uh, I think that would have been a much better A story, quite frankly. Um, but, uh, it's a skip it meh for me, Jess. Okay. Um, the Delta flyer is amazing. It's destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's miraculously back together in imperfection. (laughs) And now it's a hot rod and (laughs) in a drive. So I, I was scratching my head on that one. Um, not a big fan of the whole rally story. I, I mean, I, I know what it, why it was there to kind of lead to the other stories. Um, poor Harry. I, I feel for Harry. <laughs> Is he ever going to find love? Is he ever going to get promoted? Probably not. Probably, Probably not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this just didn't do it for me. I say it's a skip it. I, I, I'm, I'm hey, believe me, I'm right there with you. Dan's in the minority on this one, but, yeah. um, so I want to paint a picture for you both. So remember episode one, Camp Kittimer said 87% see it. Episode two, Camp Kittimer said 79% see it. Steep Uh-oh. drop off between episodes one and three, 63.49% said they would see drive. So less than two thirds of respondents in the poll, um, uh, not a lot of comments on this one. Um, some speak to hokiness. Um, one person says it's a decent episode, but I can't stand Paris, so I'll skip this one. <laughs> <laughs> but yet somebody else says it's a good time episode. So, um, But yeah, 63, which I find incredibly interesting, Jess. All right. I think we killed that episode. <laughs> I think it killed itself. Someone should. <laughs> Someone should. All right. So we're on to repression. Ex-Maquis crew members are attacked after a data stream arrives from Starfleet. And we'll go to Dan. 
All right. Well, you know, it was, only, it was episode two for Bill for his first skip it of the season. I'm not very far behind you, buddy. It was episode four for me. Um, I actually gave this one a skip it, and it was tough to give it a skip it because it's it's a Tuvok episode, and Tim Russ is great. It's the idea of the story that I have such a hard time with. Um, uh, really, Tuvok is going to be brainwashed. A Vulcan is going to be brainwashed and have something trigger in his mind from a mes- message from a Bajoran in the Alpha Quadrant to carry out a secret mission, and he doesn't know he's doing it. This is Star Trek Total Recall to me, and um, he's investigating his own actions, and it's silly, and I just didn't care for it, Bill. I, I agree. I feel like we did this one in Next Gen with the Mind's Eye, where Jordy was brainwashed. Right. Um, this one just isn't nearly as good. So for me, it's Skip It, Meh, Part Du, The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> um, this, there's just there's nothing in this episode that I enjoy, Jess. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I was kind of confused because I'm a big fan of Voyager, but the Maquis storyline showed up and then died and went away and all of a sudden near the end comes back. Um, you know, Vulcan losing control of their own mind, unless they have a disease or something like that going on, it just doesn't seem to make sense. Um, there was really nothing in here that could pull it out, so I say skip it. Yeah, and and Camp Kittimer is uh, they rate this one actually a little higher than Drive. Sixty eight and a quarter percent of people said they would see this episode, but um, uh, that's kind of middle of the road for this season. Um, there are some lower ranked episodes, but uh, it's it's kind of in the median as far as season seven goes for Camp Kittimer. So um, sixty eight, not great, not terrible. Mm-hmm. Sort of like you. Thank you, and that's <laughs> Justice Q. <laughs> so we could say that last episode was in critical care could we not uh, oh. <laughs> he's gonna fit right in here <laughs> which would be the next episode that we're looking at um so in this episode the doctor skillfully manipulates the system to provide ethical medical care and bill well thank you very much i, I would like to point out i've just done three skippets in a row two of which were meh but i'm going to redeem myself a little here with a see it I love the commentary in this episode on insurance and healthcare, and it still translates today, sadly and unfortunately. It ought not, but yet, Dan, here it is. Absolutely. Um, I loved what you said there, buddy. It is a see it for me. It's a great episode. It's a great doc episode, and it's like you said, it's a perfect example of how something in today's world, even something as mundane and boring as healthcare providers and insurance claims, can be turned into a great Star Trek story. And as an added bonus, we get to see in a Star Trek way how people with money or higher levels of society get things faster than lower class citizens, um, even if the higher ups don't need it. Some of the people in level blue didn't need some of the things that they were getting done to them. But they were level blue. I thought that whole idea of level blue and level red was an ingenious way to show that difference in society, at least for me, Jess. Okay. So I worked in the healthcare field for over 12 years and and got to see the inequities firsthand um, and the frustrations that people have as well. Um, and when you work in healthcare, there's a certain amount of frustrations that go, that go along with, with the work. Uh, as we saw in this episode, those doctors, those nurses that were there dealing with shortages or the inability to treat patients is very realistic. Uh, I think for me and for the time we're in right now, that kind of hit me the wrong way. Uh, while I thought the episode was okay, 
and the doctor certainly got a great role in this episode. Um, for me, I just couldn't connect with it. And maybe it's just because it's, it's a pain point for everyone mm-hmm. right now. And I just yeah. couldn't, I couldn't get any enjoyment out of it. So for me, this episode is a skip it. However, I would say for others, if you haven't seen this episode, see it, uh, and judge for yourself. Uh, I would concur I like with that. that. Yep. I think that's that's a fair statement. Uh, actually, this episode ranks a little higher than the last three that we looked at. Eighty-two and a half percent said they oh, wow. would see critical care. So that's a that's above the trend in Camp Kittimer for the season. So that's certainly high praise from them. Let's move on to Inside Man. So Reg comes up with a dangerous plan to bring Voyager home, but the hologram has been tampered with by someone. Damn. It's kind of, isn't it kind of ironic that there's a hologram of Barkley sent to Voyager because <laughs> of this whole problem with holodecks? Anyway, um, I, gave this one, I, gave, I gave this one a see it. I, I actually like this episode. Um, is it wrong to think of Barkley as pretty much a member of Voyager's crew now? Because that's pretty much all he works on. And I got to say, I, I, I may be in the minority here. I think he has more growth in the few episodes that he has had on Voyager than he did over the entire run of TNG that he was on, including the movies, Bill. I think that's actually true because, and I think that's because the Voyager writers didn't write him like he was less than important. He was just as important as everybody else in Voyager. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's the way it should have been in TNG. Um, I'm going to give this one a see it. I could honestly take or leave this episode. It's kind of middle of the road, but it's fun enough with a decent story and some decent character growth. Um, If it's on, I'll leave it on. Um, But I might not necessarily seek it out and go, oh, I want to watch Inside Man, you know? So it's a see it for me, Jess. (laughs) Okay. Um, It is Reg. I love Reg. I don't know what it is. That that character just appeals to me. Um, it has Ferengi. Yes. Dabo yep. Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, Dabo! It has, <laughs> it has Reg creeping on Deanna Troy. Um, That's always good. Which was a nice twist in there. And she plays it up excellent. Really excellent. <laughs> um, but then her compassion comes through. And in the end, we, we get to see him be a hero. So for me, I love this episode. And it's a definite see it. Well, Camp Kittimer is uh, is pretty much right there. 71% said they would see Inside Man. So uh, a slightly better than an average response for Camp Kittimer on this one. And I, I think that's justified. I mean, it's a decent hour of Star Trek no matter how you look at it. So, um, wow, we're cruising through these. Jess, you're doing a fantastic job. Dan and I have not killed each other yet. And we're at episode eight. So, the night is uh, young. The night is young. Body and soul. So in this episode... Um, the Delta Flyer is attacked, and the Doc and Henry and Seven are detained, and Doc is uploaded into Seven. Um, let's start with Bill on this one. <laughs> uh, this one's a see it for me. To me, this is one of Season Seven's best episodes, and it's it's largely because Jerry just gets to have fun. It's entertaining without being campy. It's, um, you know, anytime you have this sort of switch between characters where one has to take on the personality of another, it's interesting to see how it's played, but it's just a good watch, Dan. Yeah, it absolutely is. Like Turnabout Intruder on steroids and fun. But good. Um, But good. (laughs) I gave this one a see. This is Jerry Ryan at her best. I love her in this episode. So let's see. Jerry is playing Seven, who is 
the dock having been uploaded. It's it's just amazing to watch what she does. It's gold. The cheesecake scene, the drunk <laughs> scene are worth their weight in latinum in this episode. Every season, we seem to get an episode where Jerry's allowed to let her hair down and just run with it. This is the one for season seven. And like you said, Bill, one of the best of the whole season. Jess? Yeah, right on. Um, you know, until you reminded me that it was actually Jerry <laughs> playing the doctor, playing her. I had totally missed that because it yeah. was such a good episode. Um, yeah, I was really thinking that was the doctor. Um, yeah, great episode. The one thing that I kind of, that stuck out for me was um, a feeling of a female losing some ownership of her of her body because there was elements of that in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so while it could be humorous, it was all, also poignant. Um, and timely, I think there's a lot of women out there, um, like myself, who are very conscious about how we're seen in society and how people think women should be. Uh, so I like that they brought that in, but absolute kudos to Jerry Ryan. This was an yeah. excellent episode and a definite see it for me. The only thing that's really weird to me is that Tuvok actually needed an explanation for what people do on the holodeck. Uh, come Tuvok. on. Tuvok. <laughs> If he doesn't, don't they have gunfire on the holodeck? (laughs) Exactly. If he doesn't think that's logical, I mean, come on. (laughs) Well, Camp Kittimer thought it was pretty logical. Like the last episode, seventy-one percent of respondents said they would see body and soul. So uh, the good, solid, consistent rating. Um, uh, Some people think it's dumb, just dumb. Uh, Other people think. uh, see it, Tom Paris crafting a holographic sex doll for Tuvok? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's some, there's a, there's one meh. Um, uh, the, there's uh, the, just somebody says just barely a see it. Another person says awesome performance by Jerry Ryan. Yeah. Although somebody says skip it when a man wakes up and finds out he has boobs. <laughs> okay. Jeez. All right. So comments run the gamut on that one, but still 71%, Jess. All right. All right. Moving on to Nightingale. Harry Kim takes command of an alien ship that has lost its officers in an attack. Dan. Ladies and gentlemen, as with Bill, earlier we got to hear his renowned meh. And here it is. Skip it. No clue. Not ringing a bell <laughs> whatsoever. And I actually, earlier today, I read the synopsis and I still had no idea. And I, So I guess I'm glad that Harry finally got to be in command. So yay. Uh, but I got nothing, man. So I have to give it a skip it. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> we're going to differ on this one because I actually gave it a see it. Nice. Um, and I like this episode because it finally gives Harry Kim something to do. And the only thing that's missing is that at some point after this, he should have gotten his lieutenant's pip. Spoiler alert, he doesn't. <laughs> Ever. Ever. <laughs> um, so I, I actually, I mean, yes, there are parts of his command that are cringy. I grant that. But overall, I think this is some solid development for Kim. So I'm going to say see it all day long, Jess. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Scratching my head here, wondering why, after all these years traveling through space, he has no leadership skills. And Seven has to show him how to be a leader. An ex-Borg, yeah. Uh, right, right. Um, you know, and I think she does a good job of it. I'm not sure he gets the lesson fully. Mm. Uh, and uh, 
Ichubs in this episode. Um, That's so, too bad. Yeah, so I was borderline. <laughs> I was borderline, and then Ichub just put it, you know, into the thumbs down for me. So for me, this one's a skip it. Yeah, I can't say as I blame you there because I agree. Um, Camp Kittimer actually agrees um, that this is a skip it. Forty six percent. In fact, 46.03 said they would see this episode. Believe it or not, that is not the lowest rated episode of the season. Oh, my. Uh, yeah. So that says that there are worse. There's at least one other one out there that's that's worse. Um, as much as I love Harry Kim episodes, this one does not add anything positive to his character. Though seeing Ron Glass may be a plus for some. That one is clearly a skip it. Um it's. I wish they had done more with Harry before this. I'm glad for what I got, though, Jess. Okay. Moving on to flesh and blood. The Hirogen have created a world of holograms that they hunt upon, and Voyager comes upon this world. Uh, without going into more details, let's move to Dan and get some thoughts on it and... Yeah, uh, I love this episode. This was, if if memory serves, this was shown as a two-hour mini-movie event uh, when it originally aired back in the day. I love these episodes. Uh, We get to see the consequences of Janeway giving the Hirogen holodeck technology back in the killing game. And I think it's great that they carried that on because we were asking, what is she doing giving that technology to them back uh, at the killing game episodes? Um, I love all the different kinds of life forms we get to see uh, here that we've seen on Star Trek. Uh, I love the names that they come up with these hologram photonics. That's right up there with the solids on DS9. I think that's great. And we get to see all the alien races that we love from past Star Trek series in the Delta quadrant as holodeck so i loved it bill wow that's pretty great dan (laughs) i loved it too i'm gonna give it a see it although i have to say if people will recall i did not love janeway's decision to give the herogen holodeck technology right i thought it was a cop-out i thought it went against the prime directive and everything starfleet believed in they did it just to save their own skins instead of setting the Mm self-destruct however i really love the way they built on that for these episodes because I think it adds a layer that I couldn't have anticipated back then. So for me, Jess, this one is a see it. All right. Well, that's going to make three because the Harrigan just, I love them. Um, that first scene with the hunting apparel on that. Yeah. Just sealed it immediately for me. Um, yep. And then you, you bring in the hollows with their own um, ship uh, and the whole conflict there. A hollow deck that has no controls on it, so people can die. Just an incredible episode. Yeah. Um, it was worth being two parts or an extended episode because there was a lot of good story there. So definite see it. Uh, I agree. And Kim Kittimer overwhelmingly says see it. Eighty point nine five percent says they would see Flesh and Blood Part One, which is uh, that's. Not it's certainly not the best rating of the season, but uh, it's it's within it's within range. That's respectable. It's it's more than respectable. Very respectable. Very respectable, given some of the the especially considering Nightingale just before it. (laughs) 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 So I'm guessing there's probably a second part to this one, huh, Jess? Huh? There is a second part. And Dan, do you have any more to add on that second part? <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I do. The second part I, I like just as much as the first part, so I gave it a see it. 
I got to say, I love the questions that this episode and these episodes pose. Have these holograms, because of the Herogians' attempts to evolve their programming, earned the status of having rights? And when does a computer program attain rights? Now, that might be a question for Mr. Data, as we saw in TNG. Now, would reprogramming these holograms back to normal be tantamount to a forced lobotomy, maybe, if you want to go that route? Would deactivating them be the same as a death sentence for a humor? Uh, for a human. And these are the ideas that have been pure Star Trek for over 50 years. And I think that this is a, a fine example uh, of what we of, of the questions that these episodes pose for us, Bill. I'd love to give you a forced lobotomy. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Another one? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. the first one clearly didn't take. Um, and no, I, I don't know what more I can say about this one. I really love the expansion of the lore surrounding the Herogen in this episode. Um, because I really think they they were kind of dealt, you know, a, a, a weak hand in, in previous seasons. I felt like there could have been so much more to learn about them. And I think this episode does a really fine job. So um, definite see it for me for Flesh and Blood Part 2, Jess. Yeah, I can't add much more to that. You've both kind of encompassed what I'm thinking there. The first episode, first part of the episode was solid. The second part was just as solid. Again, see it for me. Nice. If only Unimatrix Zero had been the same way. But um, believe it or not, Flesh and Blood Part 2 has a duplicate rating from Camp Kittimer. 80.95% said see it. So uh, that's interesting. There was no drop-off between the two parts because sometimes that happens. Um, it says to me that the episode was fairly consistent for most of the viewers, and I think that's true. Is it? I said I think that's true. <laughs> uh, just... Uh, <laughs> You better you better jump in, Jess, because I'm going to kill him. <laughs> Let's move to Shattered. In this episode, Voyager is fractured into several time periods by an accident, and only Chakotay is able to move between them, in the process meeting old friends and old foes from the previous six seasons. Bill. I'm going to say see it and follow it up with Akuchi Moya. Um, I shouldn't love this episode, you know, because there's a lot of time jumping and weird different situations. But I do. Plus, I mean, it's a great Chakotay episode that I think just really works. Um, it's enjoyable to me. It's a nice, it breaks up some of the monotony of some of the other stories. And I just think it's it's a really well-told story, Dan. Yeah, I agree. I gave this one a see it. I, I love, I actually like the idea of different parts of the ship being in different time periods. I don't love it, though. Um, it's basically TNG's timescape on Voyager when you think about it, the different time periods of the little pockets of time. Uh, but I, I loved timescape, so I think this one's enjoyable as well. I got to say, I have one little gripe with this episode, though, and some of the time periods that Chakotay is going into on parts of the ship take place in the Alpha Quadrant. If that's so, then how can Chakotay be on Voyager in the Delta Quadrant when the time was back in the Alpha Quadrant? quadrant i'm confusing myself just talking about it right now um but hey it's science fantasy uh, so i love it and i gotta say like you said bill um it's a great chakotay episode and beltran did a fantastic job jess beltran did a fantastic job i'm going to probably make a lot of writers upset and say that they didn't do such a fantastic job for me this moved around way too much and i saw it kind of as a well, we got to get an episode in here. Let's kind of do a recap of all our past episodes. Um, and Icha was in this episode. So. Got to airlock that kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess for me, you know, when an episode's kind of meh and Icha shows up, it's a, 
It's a skip it. So for me, this episode is <laughs> <was> a skip it. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe it or not, this episode ties the ranking for Unimatrix Zero. 87.3% of respondents wow. said they would see Shattered. I, you know, it's, I guess it's not a surprise to me because time travel episodes of some flavor typically are very popular with Star Trek. So um, I, it's kind of nice to see that rating, especially for a Chakotay episode, because I feel like a lot of people just could take or leave Chakotay. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So 87.3, Jess. Okay. Well, that moves us to lineage. Now married to Tom Paris, Balana Torres discovers she is pregnant. Balana's unresolved fear of childhood traumas makes her determined to remove her child's Klingon DNA. Dan. I should really hate this episode based on the fact that she's trying to manipulate her child. Um, that's pretty abhorrent, to be honest. But I gave it a see it. Um, perhaps the Tom and Balana episode of the series, to be honest, when you when you look at the depth of the characters in this one. She's a little obsessed, uh, but when isn't she when she sets her mind on something? Um, like I said, it's really sad to see that a mother would want to manipulate her unborn child's DNA simply because, in my opinion, of what happened to her as a child – I can understand the want of protection for a child, but this shows a fragile side of Balana that I really don't like. Um, and the way it affects her relationship with her husband as well, and as, as with the crew, is disheartening. Um, which is maybe why it's a good episode, and I gave it a see it, Bill. I don't know. Uh, I'm just amazed you think it's a good episode, because I think it's a complete skip it. <laughs> um, meh, in fact. I hate the idea of Bellana trying to change the genetic makeup mm -hmm. of her baby simply because of things she doesn't like in herself. To me, that's counter to Star Trek. That's a good point. Um, it, it goes against the acceptance and diversity that is the world of Star Trek. It's painful to me. Um, and it's it's one that I, I wonder if they had a do-over, would they write it differently? Um, so yeah, for me, I, I just, I, I can't. I, not in any way I call this a see it, Just. Yeah, so this episode was kind of all over the place for me. I wasn't a big fan of it being about her pregnancy. And the part about wanting to change who her child is, for me as a transgender person, hit home very hard because so many people think that um, they should have the right to either tell us we can't change or um, prohibit us from changing. Um, and a lot of that discussion sometimes is around transgender kids. And parents who can't support them or don't want to support them. Um, so it was weird. I connected with this episode in a very different way, I think, than most people. Sure. Not a big fan of it. Uh, I guess this would be a, a meh for me as well. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen the episode, see it. If, if you're thinking about going back through the episodes again, this is a definite skip it. I think one of the things that is interesting about this episode is, again, we see how much Bolana dislikes her Klingon heritage. And she dislikes it so much that she's willing to, to change her child on a molecular level before it's even born. And I totally agree with both of you on how despicable that is. And it's not Star Trek. I just thought that the the story itself and and the view of what it was like for Balana to be doing this and going through this was an interesting one. But I totally agree with both of you. I, I can respect that, although I think there are much better treatments of how much Balana hates her Klingon self. Mm -hmm. And you get a, an exceptional one in season one's faces where she actually gets split into 
two people right. like the enemy within. within yeah. I think that's a much better treatment of how she hates her Klingon self, but needs it. Um, whereas this one just, it just doesn't work for me. Camp Kittimer, uh, 68 and a quarter percent of people said they would see this episode. Dan, you'll be happy to know that both of our standard reactions were covered. One person said, see it, meh. And another person said, skip it. Don't remember it at all. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. That's pretty so, awesome. So we're running the gamut with this one, Jess. <laughs> all right. That moves us to repentance. Prisoners are brought onto Voyager from a damaged alien vessel, and the crew must deliver them to their destination for execution. Bill. Uh, Thank you. I'm going to say see it. You know, I'm amazed that the death penalty hasn't come up more often in Star Trek. And I think this is a good treatment of that topic in a science fiction story. I mean, this one is right up there with some of the best political commentary that Trek has to offer. And I think it's done in a decent enough way as a, as a, a somewhat bottle show, Dan. Yeah, I totally agree with you, buddy. I gave it a see it. Uh, there's nothing like a good death sentence debate in Star Trek, right? Um, even though we don't get to see them very often. The doc, again, is just great in this episode. And when Seven asks why resources are being wasted on a man who will die in a few days, and he basically says, uh, no, not on my watch, he won't. I thought that was a great moment. Uh, then the debate on what to do with Eco when he is 100% changed due, the doc- due to the doctor's work. It's a prime directive cacophony of questions, I guess you could say, Bill. You like that? You like that, Jess? I, I, I'd have liked it if you said it right. I, what did I say? You said cacophony. Oh. <laughs> I don't think so. It's okay. I'm just going to go right past that and say that the episode made me think, and that's exactly what it was meant to do. So even though I can't talk good, I can think good, and I'll pass that on to uh, Jess. Yeah, so super timely episode, right? Because this is what we've been talking about as a society, at least in the States, um, for a couple of years now, and and certainly in a broader sense, for a greater period of time. And it's now this this subject of prisoners, the death penalty, how prisoners are treated, what they're incarcerated for, that that discussion is in the front now, and it's, it's well overdue. It's sad that this episode was filmed so long ago and things haven't changed. Um, mm. uh, you know, uh, Jeff Kobar was in this episode who yep. I'm a big fan of, um, was so happy to see him in there. So for me, this was a definite see it. I think until we address the issues of, um, crime, crime and punishment, prisoners and how prisoners are treated in, in the States, this is an episode that will always be appropriate to watch and always yep. be a see it. Well, the, the vote on this in Camp Kittimer it speaks quite a bit. In fact, it's rather cacophonous. Uh, 53.97% of people said they would see it. So it literally is a take or leave episode. Wow, that's um, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much almost literally straight down the middle on this one, which I find incredibly fascinating. There was a couple of mez. There was a couple, a lot of see-its with no comments. Um, uh, some people said it's been done before, but overall, essentially half the group said, nah, I think I'll pass. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe that yeah. reflects the split in society, and maybe that'll get better. So maybe more people in a year will say, that's yeah, definitely it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that I liked this episode the first time I saw it, but um, I think it speaks a lot more to me now these days. So, wow, we're, we're, that's the halfway point of the season, kids. 
We're halfway through season one. We're on to episode 14. Jess, you doing okay? You, you look like you might need a drink or something. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just <laughs> trying not to make any mistakes here. Pressure's Don't up. laugh at my mispronunciation. Well, I am not laughing. That was me. All that was Bill. Yeah. <laughs> that was me. Uh, you can't make any mistakes as bad as Dan does, so don't worry That's about true. it. You'll be fine. You got that going for you, which yeah. is nice. Which is nice. So the number of shopping days left to get the perfect gift for the Trekkie in your life is getting smaller and smaller, and Science Division has the perfect gift for them. You know, it's the galaxy's first interactive Tribble, and it's nothing short of amazing. This Tribble isn't like any you've seen before at conventions and stores. You're going to swear that this little furball is straight out of Star Trek because it has authentic Tribble sounds that are 100% accurate to the show. You are going to believe this Tribble is alive and dropped off at your house by the crew of the Starship Enterprise. And we're not we're not joking at all when we tell you that the Science Division Tribble has the fluffiest Tribble fur in the whole galaxy. It's incredibly soft. Plus, it trills. It purrs. And it even screams on occasion. It's such a great Star Trek gift. And this high-quality collectible is an absolute must-have for every fan, no matter what your age. Because, you know, Bill... Tribbles are not dangerous in any way at all. Yeah. So Science Division wants you to know they've extended their holiday offer, so it's not too late. But you're going to want to get those orders in soon to ensure they arrive before the holidays. Right now, the Galaxy's first interactive Tribble is on sale for only $64 with free shipping in the U.S. And I got to tell you, you have to hurry because this deal ends December 19th. That's the U.S. Postal Service's official ship-by date to ensure your gifts arrive before Christmas. So get ahead of the rush and head to sciencediv.com today. Plus, order that Tribble now and Science Division will also ship your Tribble with a set of their awesome Tribbles in Vegas photo cards. Trek Geeks and Science Division wish you the happiest and healthiest of the holiday seasons this year and all the best in 2021. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. All right, so shall we move on to Prophecy? Sure, that sounds great. Voyager encounters an ancient Klingon battlecruiser. The Klingons aboard it had set out long ago, set out long ago to find their savior, and they believe it to be Tom and Balana's unborn child. Bill. Thank you. I'm going to say um, skip it. Meh. Part three, the search for Spock. <laughs> um, I just, I'm a little weary of Voyager Klingon stories uh, because um, they're in the Delta Quadrant. Uh, can we be done with that already? Huh. Um, that's just me, Dan. Oh, no, it's not just you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I gave this one a skip, but I find it interesting that this is so close to lineage. It's only two episodes or, yeah. or two episodes after. I gave this one a, ski, uh, a skip it. Um, I thought it might be in the minority, but at least right now I'm not because you gave it a skip it as well. I just don't like the, oh, your unborn child is a Klingon savior thing. Um, in, in my opinion, to go along with you, Bill, it was a cheap way to get Alpha Quadrant aliens back onto Voyager one more time before the end of the series and also there is way way too much happening in this episode um it has six writers credited in it which is probably why it feels that way to me it was just too much so i gave it a skip at just i was so hopeful 
for love for Harry in this episode. <laughs> Even if it was going to be violent and leave blood all over the place. But he was hopeful too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least until he figured out what it what it involved, right? So it was a good thing he got saved. Um, you know, Tom gets to be a hero, a little bit of a hero in this episode, yeah. kicking some butt, but mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I have to agree. There just wasn't enough there to, to carry this episode through, and uh, it was definitely meh. So I say skip it. Yeah, Camp Kittimer, 59.68. We're going to round that up to an even 60%, uh, say that they would see this episode. A lot of people echoing some of the same comments that we've made about going back to the well with Alpha Quadrant Aliens. Uh, one person did say, though, see it has some tie-ins with the novel. See it for that aspect only, which I was not aware of. So, uh, But overall, Prophecy, not a huge winner with Camp Kittimer, Jess. What was the uh, what was the percentage again, Bill? Uh, 59.68, so we'll just call it 60%. Interesting. Okay. All hmm. right. Let's move on to The Void. Voyager is pulled into a void where the ships that have become trapped attack each other for food and resources. Danimal, start this one off. Thank you very much. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punt. Okay, Bill, start <laughs> this one bill. off. It's it's fourth and long. You're buried at your your two yard line. Is it third or fourth? Because sometimes quarter packs don't know. Well, if you're anyway. punting, it's fourth down. Well, unless you're really dumb and want to just punt early. Like you. So I, <laughs> I'm i going to say, as far as the void goes, see it. I like the idea of this episode, but I wish it had just happened earlier in the series because I think it would have been a better fit then. However, I, I really like that there's a lot on the line here and that they have to build a coalition to try and solve the problem. I mean, granted, that's happened before, but um, I think it works really effectively here in this episode, Dan. Yeah, it actually does. Uh, I gave it a see it. I think it's one of the better episodes of the season, but I I do agree with you, man. It really would have been better if it happened earlier in the series, like maybe a season two episode. It might have been better. Um, Nonetheless, when I watch this episode, I got to say, as much as I like it, I feel like I'm trapped in the void that is what we find in between my podcast partner's ears, and that's a little scary. So I still gave it a see it. So, you know, I'm crediting you in a way, I think. Jess, don't even let him talk. Just just pick it right up. The, what, what the <laughs> f***? That's I'm why you wanted to go second? No. <laughs> no, I wanted, I wanted to go second so I could agree with you. <laughs> and now I have to bleep myself. Yes, you do. <laughs> so so this one kind of, it, for me, it started off really weird with... with all right, do we do we need to have a timeout for the two of you? No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> may I go now? <laughs> you may. I apologize. <laughs> so starting out with seven cooking kind of threw me off. I was like, wow, all right, she's got mm-hmm. some newfound interest, but I can see how they were developing that part of her character, and and they've been doing that throughout uh, the season to this point. Um, the void itself, the storyline for the void the fight for survival i thought it was had a very slow arc to it but started to pick up as it went along um notable for me in this episode were jonathan delarco in this episode Mm -hmm. and scott lawrence both excellent actors uh both made this episode for me a see it Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Camp Kittimer is going to be right there with us, 80.95. So 81% said they would see the void. I'm actually kind of surprised at that because um, I, I kind of felt like a lot of people would think that this episode was kind of indifferent. 
But uh, a lot of people think that this is similar to a couple of other episodes. Somebody said, uh, very similar to an Enterprise episode, but still fun. Interesting take on the animated series, The Time Trap. The aliens are oh, even yeah. one-dimensional as the Klingons in that episode, um, which I think is a joke. Um, another person says, see it, great episode, Janeway makes her own federation. So uh, lots of, that's, that's right up there with some of the other episodes from the season. So that's actually high praise as far as season seven goes, Jess. Yeah, that's interesting on the... The note about Enterprise, um, I think they're probably referring to the Expanse uh, for Enterprise. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can see that with the Void. Um, great, great feedback there from Camp Kedmer. Yeah, right. definitely. This moves us into Workforce Part 1. The Voyager crew is brainwashed into taking new jobs on an industrialized planet that has a severe labor shortage. And the Doctor, who in the absence of the crew, has become the Emergency Command Hologram. Bill. Thank you. See it. Um, Dan has this rule of any episode we do an entire episode of Trek Geeks on is typically a see it. And that holds true with this as- this aspect of, of, of this ranking tonight. Workforce part one, definitely a see it for me. Um, I loved it. And that's part of the reason why I put it on our schedule, Dan. <laughs> Haunting of deck 12, notwithstanding. Hey, there's always going to be some, I put Miri on the schedule too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yep. Um, yeah, this is a see it for me. I love this episode. It's a great story. And I, I will admit freely that I did not used to like this episode. When it first came out in a few years during rewatches, I really didn't care for it. And there were a couple of times where I would skip over it and go to another episode. But I've really grown to enjoy it. There's, it's a great story. There's great character of involvement, um, even if the crew don't know who they are. Um, and I got to say, emergency command hologram, I'm in. Jess? Yeah, so uh, not thrilled with this. It did not bring me happy days, even though (laughs) I'm not even going to give the reference that. I'll let people just think about that one. um, I'm going to try not to. (laughs) I guess it's the romance episode, and maybe I'm just not a super romantic person. Um, So that and kind of the gray workforce labor whole thing. Ah, it just didn't do anything for me. So this was a, a skip it. Interesting. Well, 85.71% of respondents in Camp Kittimer said they would, in fact, see Workforce, part one. Very interesting. Um, one person said the pacing is way too slow, but see it for the one time being on a shuttle away mission was the safe bet. that's good i like that (laughs) yeah that's uh that's probably my favorite comment of all those so yeah 85.71 just uh that's a lot of wrong people but okay (laughs) (laughs) wow throwing shade at camp kittimer i'm sure i'm gonna get it back in equal measure all right so we have a part two to this lovely part one episode i can only imagine what your ratings gonna be for this one <laughs> chakotay and neelix take jobs on the new planet and try to rescue their am- amnesiac amnesiac thanks dan for throwing that in there crewmates who don't want to leave and dan you can start with that one since you gave it that hard word to read that's you know it's cacophony <laughs> i'm gonna give it i'm gonna see I'm, i gave this one a seat as well um I have grown to love this two-parter more and more every time I see it. And I got to say, James Reed is a favorite of mine ever since North and South, the miniseries, was on back in the 80s. It's got a special place in my heart. So seeing him in Star Trek was really great for me. And to be honest, 
you get to see Janeway in a relationship, which we don't get to see very much at all unless it's in a holodeck. Even though she doesn't know who she is, I liked seeing it. So I gave this one to see it, Bill. Yeah, but did this guy build her a bathtub with his own two hands? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to say this one is absolutely a see it for me. And did I mention Ralph Mouth? I know. I, yes, I, so great. It's funny to see Donnie most at conventions because he and, and Anson <laughs> Williams will be at STLV sometimes. And it's like, when were Potsy and, and Ralph in Star Trek? And I always forget that, that yeah. Donnie is in Workforce Part 2 and that Anson directed other episodes. Directed so, yeah. But yeah, I love Workforce Part 2. Jess, I know you must love this one. Oh, absolutely love this one. I do like that Janeway had a romantic story. And I do think the cast had excellent acting in this um, episode. Uh, it just it just couldn't do anything for me. And, and yeah, sorry. I, I couldn't look at, at Don Most and, and not see him in his Happy Days role. I couldn't wrap my head around that. There was no amount of acting <laughs> that he could try to do that was going to save it. And um, sometime, maybe at the next STLV that he's at, I'll visit him at his very small table in the very dark corner where he's at. <laughs> wow. So wow. skip it. I did oh not like goodness. this episode either. <laughs> wow. So for, in part one, you throw shade at Cam Kittimer. In part two, you're throwing shade at Ralph Malf, and he just wants to be a dentist kid. So lighten up. <laughs> Well, this is the second time this happens this season, but for a part one and part two, we actually have an identical rating. That's never happened before, and certainly not multiple times in a season. 85.71% of respondents said they would also see Workforce Part 2, which I think says a lot about the story. Uh, One comment that actually kind of makes me scratch my head was, didn't we see, didn't we do this one already with the shoot? See it. I'm like, well, no, the shoot was nothing like this. No, I don't um, uh, But I, I get that maybe they see something in it that we didn't necessarily. But still, they did say it was a see it. Uh, 85.71, Jess. I'm just going to say you could be in the minority on this one. But I'm not. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the denial is strong. <laughs> All right. So moving on to human error. <laughs> Seven practices her social skills. On the hollow deck, a hollow deck episode, yay, Dan. Uh, um, yeah. Um, remember earlier that I said that I love episodes where Jerry gets to let her hair down and just run with it. Yeah, this wasn't that episode. Um, I gave this one a skip. It actually, I, you know, I maybe I should I should reel that back a little bit. She does. Uh, Jerry does an amazing job with with the character. I love Seven of Nine, and I love Jerry Ryan. This one pisses me off because in season seven, we are still suffering from season one-itis. We watch Seven go through some amazing character journey in this episode, even if it's, you know, only in the holodeck, but it all gets ripped out in the last five minutes of the episode, and that aggravates me. Um, and also, this was kind of the first hint of a romance with Chakotay when she was dating the holograph version of him, so maybe they should have just kept that in the holodeck and left it here and not had anything else to do with it later on in the future. No spoilers, Bill. Wow. Um, now that you've said that, I guess all I have to say is skip it. Meh. Four. The Voyage Home. That's four. This is my fourth meh of the season. That's right up there. Um, yeah. I just... Uh, I, I actually... This is one of those ones I didn't remember. And the funny part is, is I've watched this episode in the last year. <laughs> because that I completed my Voyager... Watch right. what the tail end of last year or yep. the early part of this one. Um, 
and I didn't remember it. So going back to rewatch it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. This one. That's why. Yeah. Meh, Jess. Each <laughs> of the new meh word. Yeah, I'm going to just start using Ichab and meh interchangeably. There's airlocks on Voyager, correct? There are. Why yeah. is he not out one of those? <laughs> uh, I'm serious. I'm sorry. And then the whole romance thing. And Oh, by the way, she can't really feel love because she's got a problem with her chip or her controller or whatever that is that, that she has inside her brain. So um, there's an issue there. And then by the way, let's throw in this side story where there's some. There they've entered a missile testing range, long range missile testing range, and Voyager has to figure out how to avoid getting exploded in the middle of it. This was just all over the place for me. I, uh, just skip it. yeah, skip it, skip <laughs> it, forget it's an episode. Well, Cam Kittimer is almost right there with you. Just less than half of respondents said they would see it at 47.62%. Again, not the lowest rating of the season. There is one comment that's very interesting and a little thought provoking. It says, skip it. When Barclay made out with a holographic Troy, we all acknowledged it was weird. Why does seven get a pass? That's a really great point. Um, That's not cool. Um, But... It, it, the episode is what it is. There's no taking it back now, Jess. So this is a better episode coming up. Q2. Q leaves his son, Q2, on Voyager to learn from the crew. Dan. Um, I had every intention of giving this a skip it as I was putting together my notes. And then I watched it at lunch today. Literally, at lunch I watched this episode. And I am changing my vote to a see it. I I felt that they might have been going to the queue well one too many times with this one. Um, and as I watched it today, I crumbled like a Gelbian sand sculpture. I just, <laughs> I love, I, lo- I love it. Um, it's fun. It's not too intense. And John Delancey shines as always, um, as does his real life son. And Janeway is great as this stern mother figure. The bathtub scene is corny, but it's funny. Um, it... And I got to say, young Q reminded me of a certain young Davidson when I was his age. So I did actually give this one a see it, Bill. Wow. I'm I'm stunned at a number of levels, especially the comparison to you and young Q. Um, Yeah. I'm going to say skip it. Meh five. (laughs) The final frontier. And I like this episode about as much as I like the final frontier. Um, it just, it doesn't work for me on any level. I think it's a huge misfire and, um, I don't think it's too strong to say I hate it. So, um, uh, I guess that's not, I could put a finer point on it, but why? Cause somebody loves it, even though I hate it, Jess. Um, so I thought it was entertaining. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to try and salvage this after following Bill here. Um, <laughs> I just suck the air out of the room. It's what I do. <laughs> I don't, I don't recall the name of the actor that played Q2, but I thought his mannerisms, his imitation of, of Q were spot on. I mean, I could. Well, it's actually his real life son. Well, there you go. That explains it. He's just making fun of his dad the whole episode. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was great. Um, not sure why we had to throw Naked Seven in there, but, you know, I'm sure the viewers noticed it. I didn't notice it. I just heard about it. Um, you know, it was going so well, and then Echeb showed up again. 
And you know, I'm, I'm Q sensing Jr. Q Jr. almost died. <laughs> Q Jr. had him in the Delta Flyer. If he could have beamed himself off and let the Delta Flyer and each have both get destroyed, it would have solved all the rest of the problems for the season. But um, I, I think it's a see. It's entertaining for me. It was classic Trek, and, and I, I would highly recommend it. Well, Camp Kittimer said that 60.32% of folks would see Q2. Uh, mostly favorable comments, even if it's only in the 60% range, so slightly lower than the season average, but still respectable showing for this particular episode, Jess. Okay. Moving on to author, author. The doctor writes a hollow novel to be published in the Alpha Quadrant, featuring characters who closely resemble, but do not flatter, the crew. Um, I can't remember which one of you I started off with, so Dan, we're going to go with you. This is going to be interesting, I think. Um <laughs> this is a see it for me. And believe it or not, this is one of my favorite episodes of the season. And I, I can already see people's eyes rolling as they're reading this or listening to this. I it, It's so not what we expect, and which is one of the reasons why I like it. Um, we get a cast that gets to play their characters out of their element. Um, it's got a little bit of worst case scenario and flesh and blood and measure of a man all woven into it. Um, the publisher not agreeing to pull the story from Hollow Suites because the doc is not sentient is very interesting to me. Um, and even though the story is has some funny moments, it has some very serious moments in it, like hologram rights. And that end scene with dozens of EMHs working as miners looking at photons be free could set up a whole new series in itself about those rights. And I know I can't wait to hear it, Bill, just completely rip me to shreds over the fact that I love this episode. I'm not going to rip you to shreds. I've known you've had terrible taste for years. <laughs> Especially look at who your podcast partner is. I was going to say. <laughs> I took the joke away from you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this one for me is a skip it. I agree with Jim Morehouse from Trek Ranks and that this is the worst episode of Voyager ever. It is completely and thoroughly uncharacteristic of the Doctor, and it is a horrible story that's a mess. It's a story that doesn't know what it wants to be. This is Voyager's Aquiel. I think it is hands down the absolute worst episode of Star Trek Voyager, and other than that, Jess, I have no strong feelings on the matter. Well, I don't generally have strong feelings about episodes, but... I have to be honest, I watched this for the first time that I ever watched Voyager, and I didn't like it. I have skipped it. Every single time is come across for, on my playlist. Every time. I just, I cannot stand it. I loathe it. <laughs> I hate it. Um, and it almost made me hate every Star Trek episode that has, you know, a focus really on the hollow deck and something going on in the hollow deck. Skip it, skip it, skip it. Just don't even acknowledge this exists. So get it out of here. I'm so proud. <laughs> well, unfortunately for us, Jess, Camp Kittimer actually agrees with Dan. Um, three out of four respondents, or 74.60%, said they would see author, author. Um, I'm going to direct people to read the Trek Ranks review, which is, of course, is five words and a hashtag. Um, and I'm not going to repeat it here because I'd have to bleep myself. <laughs> yeah so there you go jess okay i still love you camp kinemer <laughs> every now and then they got one that's weird and uh <laughs> and that i can't explain and for me it's that one <laughs> okay. 
Uh, let's move on to Friendship One. The crew is sent out on its first mission by Starfleet in nearly seven years to find a lost probe sent by Earth in the 21st century that has ended up in the Delta Quadrant. Bill. That's me. Um, I'm going to say this one's a see it. I think as far as Voyager goes, this is a must see and just a great story. And I think it's right up there with some of the best hours of this series overall, Dan. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. I gave it a see it. It is one of the best of the se- of the season. Uh, it's just seeing what a nuclear device from 2067 from Earth in the Alpha Quadrant does to a civilization on a planet in the Delta Quadrant. It just makes your mind just like start warping. See what I did there? Um, but the fact that they're in communication with Starfleet now and they say, oh, by the way, can you go check on this thing that we sent 400 years ago? We'd like to know what happened. I think it's a great Star Trek story, Jess. Yeah, so um, I love this episode. It's interesting because I see elements of the prime directive in this episode because we send out this probe. It's meant to be a goodwill gesture, but it ends up harming a a society, a civilization that doesn't know how to um, handle it, how to accept it. They're not ready for it. Uh, And then, of course, there's the anger they have because the people who sent this have arrived and... They're coming and saying, hey, aren't we great? And they're saying, no, you're, you're really not so great. Look at what you've done yeah. to us. Um, the crew has an opportunity to, to redeem um, not just humanity, but the, the whole mission of Starfleet, I felt, in this episode, especially being in the Delta Quadrant. You know, first impressions, that wasn't a good one. But they, I think they're able to pull it out. Um, I would I would say this is, one of, for me, one of those classic Star Trek episodes and a definite see it. Um, Kim Kittimer is inclined to agree. And here's the interesting thing. If you'll recur, uh, if you'll recall for the last episode, author, author, Kim Kittimer gave it 74.6%. They provided the exact same rating for friendship one at 74.6%. Um, not a lot of comments overall, uh, mostly see it as far as, you know, people liked that they were fixing past mistakes and that it was a good episode. Um, uh, couple people uh, upset that Carrie had to uh, bid a fond farewell and enter to the red shirt roll call. Uh, but um, overall, still three out of four is, is really strong praise for, for this season. By far, Jess. Okay. Natural law. <clears throat> Excuse me. While visiting the planet Lados, Lidos, seven-inch Cote crashed through an energy barrier. The two are stranded in the jungle with primitive humanoids who take the pair in and care for Chakotay's injuries. To rejoin Voyager, he and Seven have to disable the energy barrier. Dan. Oh, Bill, did you want to go first? I'll go first on this one. Okay, Bill, go first. Um, I'm going to say, oh, look, another we crash landed on the planet and have to escape these people episode, Dan. It's a skip it. <laughs> yeah, um, I have similar uh, similar thoughts. I gave it a skip it as well. And I said, how many times has a shuttle crashed in Star Trek and the crew's forced to do something and make a decision? I'm actually going to um, reach my hand into Bill's bag of tricks. and Get your hands out of there, mister. I'm going to pull it out. Excuse, nah. excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> this is a family show. Sorry. <laughs> Ah, okay. I'll you, Jess. <laughs> um, I love the story. Um, 
you know, I think it was a good way for us to look. I think the story was about looking at um, people who live in the Amazon uh, and what's happening in the Amazon. Um, you know, as a society, we're pushing and pushing and pushing for resources. And um, if you look over the whole history of humanity, a lot of the times um, individual cultures, unique cultures, uh, don't stand a chance. And they're not valued as much as they should be. Uh, the one problem I have in this is you take Chakotay and an indigenous tribe. Why does it have to be Chakotay yep. playing the main character in that role? Um, mm-hmm. I, it's probably a sign of the times when they wrote it. Um, it made me a little uncomfortable. I'm sure people watching it now would, would find those same elements in it. Um, but I enjoyed it. I thought the storyline was solid. Um, so I say see it. Well, here we are. Camp Kittimer has provided the lowest rating of the season for natural law. And Dan, I hope you like typing the number four because 44.44% of respondents said that they would see, see this episode. Um, <laughs> that is the bottom of the, of the barrel for season seven. Um, some of the comments are, are a little humorous. Um, of course, the episode is natural law. Somebody said, skip it, natural low. Oh, no. That's pretty good. (laughs) That's pretty good. Uh, Skip it. Chakotay and Seven share the passionate spark of a damp potato. (laughs) Akuchi Meya. That's the best one of the year. Which I've used Akuchi Meya before, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And there, we have one shipper out there who said, Skip it, saying, Seven is creeping on Janeway's dude, and I'm not having it. <laughs> Those are some pretty good comments. But uh, 44.44, Dan. I, I got a whole story I could give about the number four, but we don't have time. So we don't. So, Jess, no. it's best that you rescue us. Hey, I love those comments. I want to read those all day long. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Homestead, we're, we're headed towards the end here, so stay with us. Voyager encounters a Talaxian settlement, leaving Neelix with a difficult decision on whether to leave the crew. Dan? This is a see it for me. Um, we've had our, our discussions about, about our liking or disliking Neelix and how we've grown to appreciate the character over the seven seasons. If anything... The scene where Neelix is leaving the ship is worth seeing this episode. I got two words. Tuvok dances. The simplest of things of him moving his foot in a couple directions for a couple seconds, seeing that on a TV screen has the most amazing meaning for me, Bill. Yeah, I have to agree with you. This one's an absolute see. And I mean, come on, it's Neelix's last episode, and it's a must-see. There's just no two ways about it. I know we're near the end of the series. It had to happen at some point, but... I just, I'm going to miss him. I, I wasn't a Neelix fan when I started my Voyager watch. I am at the end, Jess. And I think this was a great way for him to go out. Yeah. So I had those same notes, the tapping foot of Tuvok. Yeah. That, that yep. just scene cutting to that, that one sign of his humanity, his feeling, his love for someone who I think he really respected. And not only that, the walk off, those are always so powerful. That, that salute that Star Trek gives not only the character, but the actor is mm-hmm. intense. It is a tearjerker at the end of that episode. And it's nice to see that Neelix has found love. He's found community. He's found home and he's found purpose. The whole evolution of that character comes together and closes in this episode. So definite see it. You could, you, I, you could, 
You can watch some of the episodes with him at the very begin of Voyager, beginning of Voyager and then watch just that one and you just see that whole evolution and I think you'd fall in love with the character. It's a great character, great send-off. And what's even great is is this isn't the last time we get to see him in the season, which right. is kind of cool. Even right. though it's a cameo later on, mm-hmm. we still get to see him that one more time. But this was this was a great send off for him. I agree, Jess. Well, Cam Kittimer agrees with us. Seventy seven point seven eight percent said they would see this episode, so overwhelmingly positive. Uh, one person said it literally makes them cry every time. Uh, see it, it's corny but worth it for Tuvok send off alone. That's a definite agree there. Uh, one person said see it. Gotta vote see it for the episode we dumped Neelix off. Oh, not a lot of Neelix love out there. Ouch. I know. And uh, one person said, skip it. Neelix got a better ending than the rest of the series. Interesting comment. Yeah. Uh, Valid comment. Valid comment. comment. Uh, But yeah, 77.78, Jess. Okay. Okay. I still love that episode. That's, yeah. Gotta watch it. Even if you're not a fan of Neelix, gotta watch it. All right. Endgame one. In the future, where it took Voyager 23 oh, years... Oh, oh we, I, we skipped Renaissance don't, Man. Don't be oh, skipping I'm Renaissance sorry, Man. I'm sorry. I knew I was going to do this before we were done. <laughs> You're not the first, and I'm sure you won't be the last. All right, Renaissance Man. Possibly should skip it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Doctor is forced to help aliens steal Voyager's warp coil. 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 coil warp coil. All right, Bill. Save me. Uh, I will, and I'm going to call it Skip It. Mass 6, The Undiscovered on Country. Uh, actually, no, this one's more like Generations. So I'm going to uh, say Mass 7. Um, I, there's not a lot to love about this one. I didn't like the next to last episode of TNG either. Um, the penultimate uh, episode just seems to be a problem for me because I feel like it's always a script that they shoehorn in uh, as, a, as a filler. And Renaissance Man just says that to me 100%, Dan. I, I agree with you on very on several of the points you brought up, man. I don't like the fact that this was the second to last episode. I gave it a see it, but barely. It's probably the most barely of see it's that I've ever given. Um, and and the reason it is because we've seen these aliens before. Um, they are kind of like the pack leads of the Delta Quadrant, and let's be honest, they look like big turds. <laughs> gonna throw that right out there. Um, so you're gonna cosplay I, as one at STLV, is what you're saying? That's exactly right, and I won't have to do anything. That's so right. That's pretty cool too. Um, I like what the Doctor does in this episode. It's another Picardo uh, episode that he does pretty well in. It is certainly not the best episode of the season, and I 100% agree with the fact that it should not be the second to last episode of the series. But I do enjoy it, Jess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> I wanted to because it was so close to the end. You think, you know, why is that after Neelix and, and before the last episodes, last two episode parts? Um, just disappointing and implausible. Implausible. The doctor accomplishes, you know, stealing the warp core, stealing gel packs, and then all of a sudden, Voyager comes back and, and gets everything back to normal. No, just no. Just just skip it. Yeah, I did. And uh, so did a, a fair number of people in, in Camp Kittimer, but not everybody. 
of people said they would see Renaissance Man. So uh, slightly below average um, and very interesting coming into the series finale. Now, I will tell you that coming into the series finale for Camp Kittimer, they rated it as one episode. So there will only be one rating for Endgame. We can choose to do the same and just talk about both parts, even though we've given each part a separate see it or skip it. So Jess, I'll leave that, uh, that decision to you. Um, well, I think for Endgame 1 and Endgame 2, you can't have one without the other. Um, I think it would be yeah. highly confusing to try and watch one without the other. Um, so let's give a little background. In the future, where it took Voyager 23 years to get home, Admiral Janeway devises a plan to alter history. As the crew enters a final showdown with the Borg, the two Janeways implement a risky plan to take out one of the six-board transwarp hubs in the galaxy and simultaneously cross the transwarp threshold to get home. Would the two of you like me to read the synopsis of Endgame 2 as well, or should we just return to that after your comments? Um, I can. I think we can assume that the synopsis is pretty much the same. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I just looked at it and I'm like, damn you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, which one of us do you want to go first? Uh, Dan. All right. Really, who's not going to give this a seat? I'm sure it's not 100%. I will say that right out front based on something that that, uh, Bill said a little while ago. This is a seat. It is a fantastic finale on so many levels. Kate Mulgrew is a work of art in in this finale. The way that she is as the Admiral is just amazing. And mix that with her talking to herself as Captain. I just absolutely love the amount of work that must have gone into the the split screen and the talking to someone who wasn't there is just amazing. Now, with that being said, I love this episode on so many levels. I will never stop complaining about the steel girders being used to hold up transwarp hubs, which can be taken out with just torpedoes. That is just so ridiculous and stupid on so many levels, but what a phenomenal end to a phenomenal ride in the Delta Quadrant. So Bill, set a course for home. I will. So both parts are a see it for you, I'm guessing, as they are for me. It's a see it hands down for both hours of Endgame. Um, I, I echo pretty much everything you said. And I think that the episode's only flaw is that we see them get home and then the credits roll. It would have been yeah. nice to have another act or half of an act with what happened afterward. It would have been nice to see maybe a quick flash forward to five years down the road to see where people are. Um, or at least some kind of uh, parting, because we see the the ship in aft view being greeted by a whole bunch of other Starfleet ships, and that's about it. That's really the episode's only drawback. Otherwise, I'm going to see this episode 100% of the time, Jess. Yeah. Um, Harry is a captain. <laughs> well, at least for a little bit of time. <laughs> for a minute. For a minute. Um yeah, Kate Mulgrew, they unleashed her on this episode. Her acting was just supreme. Um, I kind of wish, watching her in these two episodes, I wish they had let her have a little more of that range in some of the other episodes. And maybe that workforce one that I wasn't such a big fan of was an example of her really getting to, to spread her wings. We see her in so many other things. Her range is dynamic. And her mm-hmm. depth and her passion and her love come out in her acting and really in this episode I think carry the rest of the cast the writing and the conclusion to a, just a, a great end could there have been many different endings to, to Voyager sure we could game that out until the end of time but this was the right one for this cast for this story at the right time 
Um, you know, my only hope is that we can see maybe Admiral Janeway in Picard at some point, um, or maybe some of the other characters from Voyager. I know Seven of Nines in there, but some of the other cast and crew, if they can make appearances, that would be great. Um, see it, see it, see it. Like a first episode, and a, the last episode has to be seen. Um, you have to complete the story, and they did a great job with this one. Yeah. Well, Camp Kittimer is right there with us. Um, it's not unanimous, but it is the highest ranked episode of season seven. Endgame scores a 96.83% of see it among respondents. So really only a couple of people said skip it. Uh, some folks said um, see it. It's not as bad as many say. I don't think it's bad at all. Uh, skip it. What any fan dreamed of for a finale is undoubtedly better than this. The Borg assimilated thousands of species, but nothing can stand against 10 years of Janeway tinkering back on Earth. Um, I think that's a bit of an oversimplification, but okay. Um, so one person said, see it. This was the worst series finale until these are the voyages, but I'd still watch it. Um, I, I still think it's better than than other episodes of Voyager by far, and I don't think it's the worst finale by any means, Dan. I think it's interesting that, unless I'm mistaken, and I don't think I am, they use the Borg um, uh, virus that was created back in TNG to inf- uh, to uh, at, at one point. Doesn't Admiral Janeway do that? That's what that's what she brings down the Queen with, isn't it? Doesn't she? Inject- something along those lines, I believe. Yeah, something along those lines, which I thought was pretty ingenious. Um, are there parts of it that you know we talked about all through? Um, the time that the Borg were introduced, that that Voyager seemed to de-evilize them, and they weren't as strong and powerful and scary as they were in TNG. Even with that said, it's it's got some great moments to it, and 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 I will just never get over how great Kate is. The one scene that I think is one of my favorite scenes, and it's really not even that big a deal, is when she first arrives in in the correct time or the or the present. She's looking down at the camera as she's talking to Captain Janeway, and she's like, if you haven't noticed, I outrank you. Do it. It's just one of her do-it lines that is always so great. I I just think it's fantastic. Yeah, I I have to agree. Um, So let's talk percentages, since we've reached the finale of Star Trek Voyager, which also happens to be the finale of Season 7. Jess, you were 14 for 26 for 53.85% of see it on the season. Actually, that that's lower than either of the two of us, which actually kind of surprises me. I'm, I'm I with that number. Yeah, I am too. Given the, the scope of the season, I had my lowest rating of Voyager, and I'm not counting season one because season one was a partial season. So for a full season, I have my lowest rating at sixty-one point five four percent, or only sixteen see its. Dan. You had more see-its than either of the two of us. You had 21 out of 26 for 80.77, which is right up there with some of your highest ratings. Um, in fact, it, it mimics season four for you. You gave the exact right. same percentage mm-hmm. in season four, which we both thought was the strongest season of all. So I think that's actually pretty fascinating. Um, I didn't expect that there would be so many skippets for me in in season seven. And I'm just, I'm going to suspect maybe you did or didn't before you came into this. No. Um, I thought there'd be a lot more see it's, but you know, going through and I marathoned it over the weekend. So I watched a lot of Star Trek this weekend. <laughs> I'm sorry, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't care. I was out of her hair. She was very happy. That I had this assignment. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it was nice to go through and then remember, you know, the episodes I thought I had liked in the past and then see them again now and with a different perspective. And um, I still love Voyager. It's still one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, yeah. It used to be my favorite, but then you guys hooked me up with DS9, so that kind of supplanted it. But Oh, yeah. <laughs> I you know can... what I find interesting, guys? And, Bill, I'm sorry to, to step on your, on your toes right. there. I, I expected that amount from you in skippets but for the wrong reason because we've talked about for a long time how late voyager became the seven and doctor show yeah and i know that that was something that you didn't really like all that much but the amount of skippets that you had didn't really have anything to do with that so i found that kind of interesting in itself no i tried to suspend some of that from my my ratings because otherwise it would have just been that comment over and over and over and mm-hmm. over. It happened a couple of times in previous seasons, but after that, right. it's there were plenty of other reasons to not like an episode or to choose to see it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I can remember a decade ago telling you, Jess, you really should watch Deep Space Nine because mm-hmm. really, it's it's going to change your fandom. You're going to love it. And you're like, ah, I don't know. I've tried to get through it before and I just don't think it's for me. I'm so glad to hear that it resonates and that you loved it because my inner Deep Space Nine nerd is going, oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It was That's ten, awesome. 10 attempts to get through season one and the two of you said, get past season one and you'll yeah. love it. And that is absolutely 100% the truth. I think it is my favorite series. It is my favorite series. I love Deep Space Nine. Nice. Well, thank you so much for helping us with the final see it of Skip It for 2020 and the final one for Star Trek Voyager. Honestly, it was it was perfect to have you for this because I've known you've always been such a, a big fan of Voyager and it was a great way to cap off the season. Um, where might people find you online uh, and where might they find Simple Suchness? I don't really want people to find me online. No, I'm just kidding. That's fair. That's fair. Because <laughs> Dan doesn't want that either. Uh, you can find the Simple Suchness podcast just by searching for it. It's on all the major platforms. Uh, I did have a website. It's undergoing construction, so you can't get me there. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can look for Simple Suchness Podcast or uh, Jess Cuyo um, on Twitter. So, I mean, either one of those handles. Awesome. And Dan, nobody cares where to find you, so we're not even going to talk about it. Don't even want to tell anybody. Well, Dan, we also want to thank Five-Year Mission, without whom, uh, you know, uh, we say it every week and we truly mean it. You know, we have all their CDs. Mm -hmm. I listen to them on repeat constantly. Yeah, just about every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are so grateful to have not only just their music for for our show, but we're grateful to have them with a podcast on our network. If you haven't heard Five Year Mission, the podcast, it is fantastic. Um, it's just, it's a great look at Star Trek through their fandom and the fandom of others. So head on out to fiveyearmission.net, get all their CDs, get them shipped to your house, get those things in your hands because we love physical media and become a huge fan of the band. And while you're at it, dial up the podcast app on your phone and subscribe to Five Year Mission, the podcast. Get these guys in your life, even Fark, 
fiveyearmission.net. Wow. Absolutely. You want FARC in your life. You know, what's funny. Um, before I get to my amazing FARCism for this week, I just got to say, um, the other day in the car, we're driving around and I all of a sudden just started bellowing out the but up 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 end of our podcast from Five Year Mission. I don't want to do it because I don't want to have a lawsuit on my hand, but um, it was fun. Twice. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I enjoyed doing it. And of course, I was getting the look from the wife. But anyway, um, <laughs> I got to say, Bill, there's nothing like a well-deserved vacation, right? You would agree with that? Absolutely. Uh, everyone needs one. You, me, even Captain Jean-Luc Picard needs a vacation. One, vacation. And he actually went on one once to Risa, and things didn't go so well. Oh, yeah, he met Vash, but then he had to deal with Ferengi and Vorgons from the 27th century, all over some, I don't know, some powerful weapon that could emanate deafening drum solos. It sounds so powerful, it could stop the fusion reactions within a star, as Picard would say. Um, can the Vorgons be trusted, though? Picard wasn't sure, so he destroyed that powerful Farks Utat. To save the future. Back to you. I'm sorry. Farks Utat. That's it. Is that what you bring into the table? I can only I can only read the copy of of the episode. You wrote it. I know, and that's fantastic. No, no, excuse me. It's not fantastic. It's Farks Tastic. Yeah, you barely could say that without stumbling through it. You're absolutely right. Are you drunk? Not at all. Not yet, but I'm going to be soon. You probably wish you were. Um, and I, I, have a, I have another question. Um, mm. If a Vorgon is on vacation on Ryza, would they be Vorgons with Horgons? And you That's fiveyearmission.net. <laughs> <laughs> Please get all their albums. Of course, don't forget, you too can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon, where you can get all kinds of fantastical perks, Dan. Fantastical perks indeed, like the annual supporters pin produced by our friends over at Fansets and our annual t-shirt, which looks absolutely amazing this year. It's got all of the podcasts listed on the back with the Trek Geeks Podcast Network logo on the front. It's absolutely gorgeous. Right now, though, we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers of Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. And they are Dave Andrews, Vikram Bhatt, Luke Burnham, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Brooke Horton, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Aaron Molenkoff, Shane Murray, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Blake Strike, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Lisa Tomlinson, Jessica Dax Vincent, Trey Womack, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. <laughs> we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are. Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Al Godwin, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Tony Lambast, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. Oh, and that name sounds awfully familiar. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, you know, you too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Network. It is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, next week we conclude our 2020 celebration of Voyager 25 with a deep dive into the series finale. It only makes sense to do it, right? Um, it's true. Uh, we have had a blast celebrating Voyager 25 all year long. But as you know, all good things. Wait, wrong series, wrong finale. Sorry. 
My bad. Um, yeah, actually, next week we're going to deep dive into the amazing Voyager series finale Endgame. Time travel, Klingons, Borg, two Janeways. It's going to be glorious, and it's going to be here on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You know, and I say our 2020 celebration because we're going to keep celebrating Voyager in 2021. Yes, we are. You betcha. Of course, for even more great Star Trek discussion, please check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You know, in addition to Rewind and Discovering Trek and, and Polytrex and Five-Year Mission, you can hear the brand new Deep Space Pride with Mike Thurlow and Johnson Lee, as well as Infinite Trek with Aaron Harvey and Brandy Jackala. Of course, you can find all our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one, and I mean no one, talks Trek like we do. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 242 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Set a course for coconut. No, I don't want to go there. No. 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 What, what are you doing? No. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Oh, wow. Sorry. Kermit the Frog here. Yeah, I love Kermit. I miss Kermit. I love um, I So over the past several days, mm. I've been piecing together the 2020 outtake special <laughs> that we usually run you know, at the end of the year. Yes. Fast approaching. Um, fast approaching. I have gotten through the episodes that we've done so far in this year, and I have filled six hours <laughs> Worth of content. We've got six that's six hours. additional episodes of Trek Geeks we could have done. <laughs> that's six hours of outtakes. Is don't we only like average like ten minutes per outtake? Dude, we do forty to fifty episodes a year. I'm, that's okay, four hundred minutes. Okay, thank you. At thank a minimum, you for doing that. Okay, wow. <laughs> but they're all great, aren't they? Gold. We should get like we should get one printed as like an album and and just like get it a gold album and hang it on the wall. You can actually order a gold album. Um, I'm sure it's spray painted gold or yeah. hell I'll buy an old copy of meet the Beatles at a, <laughs> that's scratched up at a record store yeah. and, and spray painted gold for you Yeah, get an album and put cover. Dan sucks on it. Yeah. And I could sign it and put it on my wall, cover your ugly face with it. Oh, uh, wow. Sorry. Wow. Sorry. So I did something last night. Did you? It's about time. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I see you're on fire today. Fire. <laughs> and fuego. Um, <laughs> 
I, I signed up for the Fenway Spartan. I saw that. Congratulations, my friend. That's awesome. I said to Sue, you sent me the picture of it, of the, uh, of the confirmation. And I looked at Sue and I said, we got to do this. We got to do it. You are so, more prepared for it than you think you are. I, I said to her, I said, there, we should have no problem with it um, based on what we've done in the gym over the last year. And, and even if you do, there's okay. a burpee zone. Yeah. Or you're going to be running open. You can just skip an obstacle. Yeah. It's I'm, all, it's about the race you want to yeah, run. I think I want, I, I really want to do it. I know last year or before COVID, the year before we wanted to and then we didn't, but I think we're ready. Kelly signed up for it, and then I'm like, eh, all right, I'm going to do it. Kelly could kill both of us with one hand, so. <laughs> she, she's she got so many Spartan medals, it's yeah, not funny. She and she's, I mean, she's, she doesn't, she's not competitive, she doesn't do it competitively, but there are times where she will run for time mm-hmm. to see how she's doing. But her job is just to, is to complete the, the course. And I tell you, she's got at least a dozen medals, I think. That's fantastic. I would I would love to do that. So um I will I will plan on doing that sooner rather than later because once it's locked in, I'm not changing it. So That's it. Yeah, absolutely. So That's it. I gotta say, different subject, but uh you I'm looking at your wonderful smiling bearded face right now, and you've got the Spartan hat on, which looks wonderful. You've also got a very nice sweatshirt on with the Trek Geeks podcast logo on it. And I got to say, it's kind of funny because today I went to the post office to mail something to my mother for my dad for Christmas. Mm. And on the label, I had my name and address in, of course, TOS font. And at the bottom, I had a string of color Trek Geeks logos along the bottom. I got to the post office with my mask on, of course. I walked inside and I counted the 26 people in line. So I walked out. I'll go back to yep. tomorrow. I don't blame you. It's like, Wow. Dude, you should just schedule a pickup at your house. Yeah, I could, but you know, well, whatever. It's getting, I mean, it's free for a little drive. Maybe get a coffee. Go so schedule the pickup and go get a coffee anyway. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we could do that too. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had to ship some stuff, you know, uh, over the past couple of months. And uh, the one time I went to the post office, it was a disaster. What do they do if you do a pickup? Do, do they do the postage when they show up, or do you do it ahead of time? I'll buy it online. Oh, okay. All right, I can do that. Weigh the box. It's a book. I'll weigh it. Yeah, I got to weigh it on another scale. Or you could always do the flat uh, priority rate, depending oh, on true. what it is you're you're sending. But you print the label at home. You um you yep. you know you schedule the pickup, and they will your carrier will come pick it up, no problem. All it's, right, it works awesome. I'll try that out. I'm familiar with the labels because of the like eight million that I did for the Patreons. <laughs> <laughs> That's on you. Yeah, but you know what? I love doing it. Uh, I know. See, I've offered to take that from you and help nope, you out. That's mine. You I know. do the other stuff. You get the you get the podcasts out and let me mail my stuff. And the website <laughs> and all the new development. Yes. And I'm glad you've got this one task. I, and you know what? I don't <laughs> screw it up. <laughs> well, <sometimes>. well, <laughs> well. No, I try my best. But you know what? I get a gold star on my forehead every once in a while and I get a jar of peanut butter and I'm happy. I will pin a pork chop to your nose. A pork chop? I had a pork chop for lunch today. Did you really? Because we had our first, this past weekend, Sunday night, Saturday night, Saturday night, we had our first Instant Pot meal. You know, I was going to say the other day, you guys really need to buy an Instant Pot because we love ours. We've had one for a few years now. And um, for lunch this week, I'm doing a crustless chicken pot pie that I made in the Instant Pot. Yeah. Um, I'll send you the recipe. It's amazing. Absolutely. You want to hear something funny? I Sue and I got this Instant Pot from my parents for Christmas last year. We opened it Saturday. It, you, you're going to be stunned at how much you find yourself using it now. Yep, that's what everybody I, says. 
it's amazing. You know, pressure cookers, I mean, you know, they were big in the, in the fifties and sixties and then all of a sudden they died out. Yes. And now they're back with a vengeance and, you know, they're, they've, they've got computers in them. Right. And they're much easier to use. And, and they're not dangerous of blowing up because that's why I don't like pressure cookers. I'm afraid it's going to explode in my face. I was too until I started using the Instant Pot. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, uh, so- they are not subscribing with us. This is not sponsored. No, <laughs> not at all. Um, this but, uh, is just using it. me geeking out over something I love. Yeah, had uh, pork chops with like a, a cream spinach mushroom sauce. Oh my God, it was so good. Uh, I think Casey does hard-boiled eggs in his. Really? Yeah. I'll have to ask him when he's on Discovering Trek next week. Oh, he's going to listen to this anyway. Uh, he's going to, yeah, what he'll true. do is he'll say, oh, Dan wants to make hard-boiled eggs in his Instant Pot, and he's going to send you the thing, the insert you put in the Instant Pot to make hard-boiled eggs. I was going to say, I he's probably going to like send me like 40 dozen eggs at the same time, too, because <laughs> 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 you show up, there's a chicken truck outside. <laughs> Not the chicken truck from work, but a chicken truck. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I know. I figured out what you meant. I may be dumb, but I'm not that dumb. Not as dumb as I is. What is wrong with you? I's dumb. <laughs> see? see? You, you dumb. On fi- fuego. <laughs> I can't take you. It's like you've gotten a full night's rest and I, you've been taking your ginkgo biloba. <laughs> what? I've never, I haven't played bingo in years. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh my God. You're, gonna love you're turning into your father more and more every oh day. Oh my God. Don't ever say that. Please. <laughs> Please God. No. See, now I know you're back to earth because as soon as I said that, you want to kill me. You've got the look he does too. <laughs> he does this all the time. Now, unfortunately, Patri- uh, the the outtake people are not going to be able to see it. The listeners aren't going to see it. But whenever he you say something that he just doesn't believe, he goes like this. <laughs> so we Dan just did the, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which it, it didn't play well on Mike, but that's it, exactly it what probably it looked like. didn't. But when we first started teasing him about that a few years ago, and I, God love my father because he's the butt of our jokes, and he he takes it and he loves it. I did one of those with the slow motion video on my iPhone, <laughs> <laughs> and I looked like a Saint Bernard. <laughs> um, spoiler alert: you look like a Saint Bernard. Period. <laughs> You're big and furry and dumb. Uh, furry. And if you could, you'd have a barrel of booze around your neck I all the would, time. Actually, instead of keeping it in my pocket like I usually do, you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, is this thing on? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I had. Uh, I was. I was uh, enjoying my grapefruit martini last night while we res- recorded Discovering Trek. That's for sure. That was a good one. Yeah, it was. Um, it's a, such a great episode of Discovery and a great discussion. It was. Um, I it's. I feel really fortunate that over time, I, I don't. I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back. I'm really not. Uh, I feel fortunate that over time we've put together a Discovery show that people look to as the Discovery show. I, 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 that, and it, it's. It, uh, it makes me feel really, really good about the way we're talking about the show. To this day, that scares me a little bit because <laughs> that's a lot of people listening, I, and I'm 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 yeah. honored, and I'm I'm like I'm like wow, I I can't believe it, but we have a great time doing it. Um, it's so much different than this show, and I think some people still don't understand that. It's you know that show has its serious side, and of course we get a couple little barbs in like we do here on Trek Geeks all the time, you yeah. big jerk. But um, it's it, it's gonna bleed over a little bit, and 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 we've heard people talk to us or people have talked to us and said, well, why do you, why are you mean like that to each other? And it's like we're not being mean, we're being best friends. That's how we are. So that's how yeah. we've always been it's, since nineteen ninety six. Yeah, yeah. Since you took my Enterprise and gronked it right on the. 
All right, you can't say Gronk because Gronk Gronk was a kid back then. You and I were kids back then, quite oh frankly. My God, but, isn't that unbelievable? Um, it's weird to think that we met each other in our twenties, and here we are now in our fifties. Mm-hmm. And you and I literally have talked every single day, practically, uh, with a few exceptions for the last six years. Yeah, ever since we uh, went, we got back together and went to Trek Boss. It's pretty much been every single day, and it's been. So hard. Tedious. <laughs> but I was speaking of speaking of age, the other thing that we did this weekend is I had a memory show up on my Facebook page this weekend. My sister pinged me about it and it was one of our trips to Disney. I put together videos of our trips and put hmm. music and sound effects to them. And the pictures for, were like from 2003. I didn't have any white in my beard. I didn't I it was and, and Chris, my brother-in-law looked so young. Uh, it, it was, it's just amazing. And the kids were small and cute. So what's happened? I, my eldest sister is 20 years older than I am and I'm 51 now. Yeah. And that's a little mind blowing to me It is because, um, uh, I'm not far away from that. <laughs> You're closer than not. I'm closer to 70 than I am 30 now. And exactly. that really just kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, like <laughs> I got people are gonna be listening to this going, uh, yeah, you guys are old. Shut up already and talk about the Star Treks. <laughs> Star Treks. Let's talk about let's talk about um, yeah. You and I are gonna be ninety years old in in facility somewhere. Um you know, doing virtual holographic meetings, recording the Trek Geeks podcast will well be in the episode of, of the thousands by then. Your face. and it'll just be a good show if you remember to put your teeth in uh that okay i could tell a story but i'm not gonna (laughs) yeah please don't nope not gonna please don't are you gonna tell me you forget to do that now no i'm gonna tell you that my dad sometimes just put him in his pants pocket (laughs) okay yeah so did you inherit ironing your underwear from your dad or your mom i don't iron my underwear son so son (laughs) i'm sorry that was the admiral again son no that was just old dan (laughs) that was old dan no um my dad i don't think he knows what an iron looks like um mom did the ironing and growing up and and going to bishop curtain where i had to have a dress shirt a tie and a suit coat i learned how to iron and as i got older it just that's my thing i iron t-shirts and and shorts and yeah this, this, Underwear. this wonderful ensemble that I'm wearing right now, I ironed this morning, actually. You, you ironed a t-shirt? Yeah, I do. When they come out of the dryer, there's too many wrinkles in it. It drives me crazy. You know, you could fold them as soon as the dryer's done. Yeah. The, the chances are that I'm busy doing things, preparing for the podcast, and I don't see when the dryer. Oh, you such a crock <laughs> of BS. <laughs> but, you know, we're usually doing stuff, and the, and the, uh, the dryer is done, um, so they get wrinkly. Wrinkly. So, so, oh my God! I will. You were such a study say, in contrast. I, I will say though, I bought one of those things from Big Bang Theory that Sheldon uses at the department stores for the folding of the shirts. Now, so I put the shirt in, I go dunk, 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 and folds it in a nice little square. You realize I've been folding it that way without the little doohickey for like forty years. Yeah, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the older you get, the more I realize you're like Sheldon without all the intelligent stuff. <laughs> I, I can't disagree with that. You can't. Are you ready to do uh, this yeah, there, mon frere? <laughs> All right. Here we go.
coconut.